Welcome to the Extraordinary Women Podcast, where we are all about supporting women over 40 to create and live a fabulous next chapter. You are in a unique generation of women, unlike any before you, with opportunities and longevity that means it's time to intentionally design your fabulous next chapter rather than just live it. That is what the Extraordinary Women magazine and podcast are all about. Let's get started. Well, the mission of the Extraordinary Women magazine and this podcast is to create a fabulous next chapter. But how do you know when you've done that? And could some of your own beliefs about what you should be doing at this chapter in your life be getting in the way of you creating what it is that you want in your next chapter? Welcome, everyone, to the Extraordinary Women podcast. I'm Sherry Harmel, Editor-in-Chief of the Extraordinary Women magazine, as well as your host for this podcast. Well, let's start with that question. How will you know when you've created that fantastic next chapter we all want? Is it when someone tells you, wow, you have an amazing life? Absolutely not. Is it when you've taken that incredible trip? You know, you purchased the beautiful home. Maybe you lost the weight that you've always wanted to lose, finished the book that you dreamed of writing. No. Why not? Because each of those accomplishments, all by themselves, as fantastic as they are, are goals. And although achieving a goal is great, you get a real high, don't you, when you check off those goals, it's not how we intentionally create the next chapter that we want to live. My guess is that many of you have been on goal achievement treadmills for most of your life. You achieve one goal, but just like the treadmill just keeps on going unless you turn it off, another goal appears right in front of you. And those goals just keep coming. You create them, they come certain stages of, and ages in your life until you hit the pause or the stop button. Now, accomplishing goals does, absolutely does contribute to you having a fabulous next chapter. But just checking them off won't give you what it is that you really want, that you are really seeking in that next chapter. Now, we all have the tendency to imagine that the accomplishment of one goal, and it's usually one that we've identified, is going to do, you know, just that. It's going to make everything perfect. It will fix whatever the problem is, and everything in your life is just magically going to fall into place. Let me give you an example. During my 23-year marriage, my husband and I purchased seven different houses. No, we were not flippers. You'd think we were on HGTV, you know, flip or flop, whatever. No. In fact, my former husband had a corporate job. In the beginning of our marriage, he traveled a lot. And he, even to this day, hates moving. The joke between us actually was if I had moved between when he left the house and when he was coming home, I just needed to give him a call and tell him the address. Now, jokes aside, the reason for all my moving was actually 
much deeper than me wanting a different house or a different town. What I really wanted uh, was a next chapter. I really wanted a better marriage. And I had convinced myself that if I could just find the perfect house, everyone would be happy. And that would be my next chapter. That that house, that one goal would fix what was wrong in our marriage. Well, as you all can probably guess, no matter where my husband and I lived, all of the same problems moved with us. The house didn't matter. And you're even possibly thinking, oh my God, Sherry, how could you have been so delusional to think that one goal would fix what was wrong with your marriage? But like so many situations in our lives, and I want you to think about this in in terms of how relevant it is today, so many situations in our lives. In hindsight, when we stand where we are today, we can look in that rearview mirror and so clearly see the signs, see the things we should have done, see the things we should have paid attention to. But in the moment, we convince ourselves that, oh, it's just a one-off, or I can do this, you know, day after day, it really doesn't matter, or I can put that dream aside, you know, someday I'll get to it, you know, it happens. So what I want you to do is to reflect upon whether you have fixated on one goal being the answer to you creating a fantastic next chapter, you know. If you could just achieve that, then everything is going to be incredible. But ladies, like my house story, the achievement of the goals that we set for ourselves, although it feels fantastic, you know, there's always a honeymoon phase or a euphoria around goal accomplishment. But when that wears off, we're left wondering, gosh, was that it? Why do I still feel this way? Why do I still want more? And what we often do when we feel that way, is we decide to set another goal. Because we're sure that, you know, if I can just find the right goal and achieve that goal, I will create the magic that I want in my life. Now, goals are funny things. And in America, we are a goal-obsessed society. Benchmarks for this, assessments for that. When you, What university did you get into? How much money do you make? Did the company hit their earnings estimate? If not, you know, the stock market crashes. All of that. Are you married? Are you divorced? It's all these benchmarks, all these different goals, if you want to call it, that hopefully you met. And it all starts very young. Look at what we've done with kids' sports. I'm telling you, by third grade, fourth grade, You know, I watched my grandkids, the soccer field. It's like they absolutely think they know who are going to be the superstars. Third grade, fourth grade, are you kidding me? You know, we think that's okay. And then we create these crazy acronyms like SMART goals. We're all supposed to create SMART goals. Goals that are specific and measurable, realistic, etc. You all know what SMART goals are. But no one talks about How goal achievement isn't the be-all, isn't the end-all. It isn't necessarily what helps you to create a life that makes you happy and has purpose. Because that is much bigger than just achieving goals. So as you work on what would make your next chapter 
fabulous. How would you have your next chapter be your best chapter? I want you to go high. I want you to think of the big picture of what is it you want in your next chapter. Do some brainstorming or mind mapping, whatever's your jazz. But think about, feel what it is that you want because what it's about is how the feelings, I should say, it is about the feelings that you want in your next chapter. Start with that. That's what should be at the top of your dream sheet, if we want to call it that, of what your next chapter is going to look like. It might be that you want to feel healthier and more energetic. Another one might be that you want to have more self-confidence so that you can, I don't know, start dating again, if that's the case, or have date nights with your partner that you haven't had in forever. It might be that you you want an organized, you want to feel as though your home is your home and that it welcomes you all the time. So those are feelings, as I've just described, feeling more confident, feeling like your home is welcoming you, feeling more energized. Those are feelings. Underneath each of those feelings are goals. And that is the question as it relates to goals. What goals do I need to set for myself or what benchmarks do I need to set for myself that will actually feed up into me getting the kinds of feelings that I want in my next chapter? So as you think about goals, and I know that's a big part of life coaching, and some of us have listened to that, and I myself am a life coach, career coach. I constantly in the past have thought about goals, but now I want you to shift gears and think about the fact that those goals are only there to support the feelings that you want. And suddenly the goals become more fluid because we're seeking the feelings. And so what that means is that sometimes you may set a goal that's going to lead to a certain kind of feeling and suddenly you realize, nope, that's not it. I don't care about that thing, whatever that might be. So now you shift and change your goals. So the goals are fluid. The feelings are what you're focusing on. So that question that I asked at the very beginning of this podcast, how will you know when you've created a fabulous next chapter, is based on how you feel. So start with the feelings, then create the goals. You will have an entire plan laid out for yourself. Now, I want to talk about the second ingredient that is really important that we focus on or we think about or we're aware of as you create your fabulous next chapter. And that's what's going on in your head every day, your thoughts. I'm going to talk about a topic that is rarely discussed, hardly ever brought up, certainly by anybody who's, you know, say 45 years old or older, and that is ageism. Now, first, you might be asking, what is ageism? When I think of ageism, I think of like somebody really old, really old. (laughs) But actually, ageism can be a problem whether you're young or you're old. And how it's defined is basically discrimination and stereotyping based on age. Now, a couple of weeks ago, CBS Sunday Morning 
did a segment on ageism. And they actually announced that uh, statistic that over 90% of people age 50 to 80 experience everyday ageism. Now, I could see the 80, but I was shocked at the 50. Everyday ageism, because I wondered, what does that mean versus ageism, is the subtle and sometimes subliminal, and we're going to talk about this, messages that we hear every single day that tell us how we are supposed to view aging. Think about it. You go on YouTube, one ad after another. You go on Facebook, one ad after another. You go on Instagram, one ad after another. Those print or electronic ads, typically for products that you need to buy, things that help your feet, anti-aging makeup or skincare, you know, supplements, vitamins, certain diets, et cetera, et cetera, are all based on what Google and Apple already know, which is exactly how old you are. But my guess and we'll talk about that in just a second, is they're showing them to a much wider audience than just, let's say, even the over 50s. Because these products weren't created because we have this worldwide aging population. Companies, marketers, and advertisers, you know, their sole job is to find our soft spots of pain or create a problem that we didn't know we really had And then they have a product that's going to help us to fix that problem. The anti-aging industry, which is a phrase that is coined by the advertising industry, is now the fastest growing industry in the world. And it keeps expanding. And when I said, who sees those ads? Well, even 30-year-olds are being convinced that they need anti-aging products and procedures. Plastic surgery is now done at a much younger age. Advertising is all about emotions and feelings. And advertising often will embed messages inside of our heads, which are our thoughts, that creates beliefs and feelings that we didn't previously have. Maybe we hadn't even thought about. But as the ads keep coming at us, suddenly those beliefs become a part of us that's far beyond making a purchase. Now, I'm a skeptic. And because I've done a ton of work on myself, I'm telling you, I think I've bought more self-help books than I have, um, I don't know, purchased houses, certainly, um, or spent on houses. I listened to this CBS segment. I had my espresso in my hand and I thought, oh, this will be interesting, but it doesn't really apply to me. But as I sat in that chair, drinking my espresso and listening to the conversation, I was shocked. I realized I have my own views around aging. And frankly, I realized I have internalized ageism. Just a week or so ago, I remember having said to my business coach, maybe it was completely nuts to start a magazine at my age. You hear that? I went on and said, maybe I don't have enough time, meaning time on earth, to make the magazine the big, huge success that I want it to be. That, ladies, is ageism. I was limiting myself. I was limiting my next chapter life solely based on my age. 
I didn't say I don't have the skills to run a successful magazine or I don't know how to do this or I don't have enough money or whatever. If the magazine didn't get as big as I wanted it to get, it was solely because I might be too old. Ageism. Here's another example. Yesterday, I had a little surgery on my heel and I needed to use a walker because they gave me this nerve deadening medicine that actually made me like drag my right leg. It was completely numb, completely. And so I had this walker and I, you know, dropped off in my building. I get on the elevator, dragging my foot, pushing the walker. And I'm thinking to myself, I feel like a hundred year old woman in a, you know, really old age facility. I also live in the seaport area of Boston, which is a very young population and especially in my building. And so I'm like praying as I'm on the elevator. Oh, please. I don't want anyone to get on the elevator. I'm hoping it just gets to my floor while the elevator stops. Of course it does. And who gets on? But a young man who's probably at the most 30 years old. I smile. I'm totally embarrassed. And I said, oh, don't mind me. I just had a little foot surgery. I wanted to be perfectly clear I wasn't ready for the home. But he laughed and he said, no worries. I get it. It was me just a few months ago. I had one of those walkers. So here I was, embarrassed by me with my walker and all that it meant. And all that it meant was something I had created in my head. That is a perfect example of the ageism that I inflict on myself. What's so important about this, and I want you to think about what is it that you say to yourself? What are the roadblocks and are any of them connected to your age? Are any of them connected to how much time you have left or what skill set you have even as it relates to your age? Can I learn that, so to speak? And I say that because what we say to ourselves is much, much more debilitating when it's negative. It hurts us so much more than anything that could be said by another person. Even if that young man on the elevator hadn't said a word, just smiled, what was going through my head was extremely negative. There is absolutely nothing that young man could have said that would have harmed me or made me feel older or more infirmed than what I was saying to myself. <laughs> so let's dive into this a little further. The CBS segment introduced us also to Ashton Applewhite, and she did a TED Talk on ageism, which is kind of interesting, and wrote the book, This Chair Rocks. She talked about how ageism actually negatively impacts our health by chronic stress, creating chronic stress and even premature mortality. So all those thoughts we're having, like I'm too old, oh my God, you know, I don't want to look old, I don't want to look my age, oh my goodness, do I, you know, how do I look today versus how did I look 20 years ago? Those thoughts actually negatively impact our health. We said on the show that research has proven that those who have a positive attitude about aging live 7.5 years longer than someone who's thinking negative thoughts about aging. It's incredible. 
So not only are those thoughts slowing us down in the moment, they're actually shortening our lives. That's unbelievable. So the next time you look in the mirror and you're counting your wrinkles or you're thinking about your changed body or believing that you're beyond the expiration date for dating, I want you to think that, oh my God, I'm actually hurting my health. You're shortening your life. Now, some of you want to start a side gig or you've already done that and you want to significantly grow it. The next person on that segment was a professor, Wharton Business School professor, J. Daniel Kim. And he joined in this conversation because he and a couple of his colleagues studied entrepreneurs. And specifically, they wanted to know what correlates with being successful entrepreneurs. Now, when you think of successful entrepreneurs, you probably think of people like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. All these people started companies when they were very young, right? That generalized thought actually feeds into the belief that women of a certain age should never start a business because it will not be successful, solely because they aren't young. But Dr. Kim actually busts that thought, and he points out that the average age of successful entrepreneurs is 42 years old. That's the average age. Now, if you go back to Mark, Bill, and Steve, they might have started their companies when they were in their late 20s, but their companies really weren't successful until they were in their late 30s, early 40s. Here are a few more examples that bust the belief that to start a successful company, you have to be young. Vera Wang opened her first bridal boutique at age 40. Toni Morrison wrote her first book at age 40. Julia Child went on television with her cooking show when she was in her 50s. Ariana Huffington founded the Huffington Post at age 55. So the next time you say, maybe I'm too old to start this, maybe I don't have enough time left to make this a success, I want you to catch yourself. Let's make a promise to stop the internal ageism that we dump on ourselves. Let's stop those negative thoughts and beliefs that significantly impact whether or not you will have a fabulous next chapter. And remember, everyday ageism is everywhere. So even if you logically know that a product is not going to make you look 20 if you are 45, Because you are bombarded constantly with the messages that aging is bad and you need to fight it off at all costs, you will absorb those messages unless you work on shifting it. Because those messages create an internal belief system that limits what you can imagine creating in your next chapter unless you say, wow, no, unless you bring it up into your consciousness and say, no, I have plenty of time. I have all sorts of time. I might have 30 years, and 30 years is enough time. Just catch yourself. So just like I, when I was writing this podcast, and I got on that elevator, you know, I was thinking about this, I saw this segment, and yet I still got on the elevator with my little walker, embarrassed that I was looking old and decrepit. 
we have to pay attention because it is so ingrained in us. That has been the message to us for good, uh, probably 20 years now. So shifting those internal beliefs takes work, but we can do it. We absolutely can do it. We just have to be intentional and vigilant. So to recap, as you begin to design and create your fantastic next chapter, start with the feelings that you want, how you want to feel, confident, energetic, you know, at home, contributor. Start with those feelings and then lay out the goals that are going to give you, or you think they might, those feelings. And know that those goals are fluid. What is really important is what are the feelings that you want. And last, pay attention to your thoughts. Whenever you are feeling low or tired or insecure about creating what it is that you want, check in with yourself to see if any old ages and beliefs are getting in the way. Ladies, the Extraordinary Women podcast and magazine are all about supporting you. We are a new generation of women who are not going to quietly fade into our next chapters, but actually we are designing our next chapters and making it positive and fabulous, making sure that it energizes us. A subscription to the Extraordinary Women magazine is free, so Don't hesitate. Don't procrastinate. Don't say, I'll do that tomorrow. Subscribe now. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I look forward to our next Extraordinary Women podcast. Have a great week and I'll see you soon. Abiento.